G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Just over a week away and we'll all be off to the polls for the federal election. The political parties are interested in your vote. As you know, the growing body of politically minded Christians is demonstrated in the growing prominence of Christian lobby organisations who have now got supporters, and I've got to say humbly, numbering in the hundreds of thousands. Organisations like the Australian Christian Lobby or Family Voice Australia, the Canberra Declaration, the organisation called Binary or the Australian Family Coalition, the National Civic Council, the Australian Family Association and Endeavour Forum, and there'll be others too that I might have forgotten. Then there are the significant movements around Christian schools. And add to that the significant prayer movements around Australia that pray for political situations like elections and for politicians of all flavours, like the Australian Prayer Network and Australia Praise, each with a reach numbering tens of thousands of believers. Well, in conversations this week, we've been reflecting on a new momentum like never before from Christians interested in the outcome of this election. There appears to be an air of excitement with a growing list of as many as 150 candidates who are standing for the election in the lower house and in the Senate, all describing themselves as practising Christians. A common narrative from Christian organisations has been vote for people, not for parties. So what do the parties think of that? Well, our special guests today, Senator Erica Betts, with a three-decade career as Liberal Party Senator for Tasmania, and Raj Guruswamy, described as Pauline Hanson's new star One Nation candidate for the Senate. He was born in India and is a former corporate affairs boss for coal mine giant Adani. Now, as I mentioned a little earlier, we did invite the ALP's Senator Deborah O'Neill, Labor Senator for New South Wales, but she is on a plane and we are endeavouring to reschedule a conversation with her for one day next week. Let me welcome our two guests, Senator Erica Betts. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much for having me and uh, good to be on with Raj. Welcome to you, Raj. Thank you, Neil, and uh, thank you, Senator Abetz. Good to be with you, too. Let me ask you first, Senator Abetz, are you surprised that so many Christians have become more interested this time around, this election coming, uh, in the politics that's shaping our nation? I think one of the factors uh, supporting your contention that more Christians are interested is the failure of the religious discrimination legislation towards the end of this parliament. And uh, what I think you saw was a very strong body of men and women 
in the coalition, and uh, I'm talking House of Representatives here, um, was that they never got to the Senate, but a strong body of men and women from the coalition in the House of Representatives voting to preserve religious freedom and, unfortunately, all the independents and Labor voting uh, to put amendments up which basically gutted the bill and, as a result, the faith leaders of our country said we were better off without any legislation than that which is being proposed. And so the Prime Minister, quite rightly, never sent it up to the Senate. And so uh, I think it's quite right and proper that people of faith, and that of course includes our Christian community, ask the question, well, um, which party, parties, people are going to be supportive? And uh, as I understand it, Raj, uh, if it would have come to the Senate in its original form, uh, One Nation would have been supportive of the legislation, as would I have been. Raj, your thoughts here around, and we can talk some more about the uh, the religious discrimination bill. Uh, come back, though, to your thoughts around this surprise idea that so many Christians have become so interested in politics this election. Any thoughts from you? I think from my side, you know, we always called ourselves as a silent majority, which we heard from the Prime Minister last time. And I think it's uh, important that we as Christians put our values when so many people are not even wanting to have a prayer in the parliament. In this nation, I believe, is built on Christian values. And to me, if those values are being eroded, I'm genuinely not surprised that the Christian leaders are rising up and the Christians in general are rising up to show that, yes, we need a country that is built and continue to sustain on Christian values. So I don't think I'm surprised. And I'm really happy that, you know, when you said 150 plus candidates are uh, Christian candidates are standing, I just hope and pray that we are able to you know, expand and maintain that Christian values in this country. That will be an important one, while economy, jobs, everything are equally important. But the fundamental values of Christianity has to be the base on which we build our nation, our government, everything else. So I'm really happy to hear that. And I think we should continue to push our values. Senator Abetz. If I may, sure. But if I may quickly, Neil, uh, support that which Raj has been saying. And you know, from the other side of the fence, the founder of the trade union movement in this country was a committed Christian. Yet the ACTU and uh, Labor now seem very busy in airbrushing that away. Uh, the Liberal Party doesn't celebrate as much as it should the fact that Robert Menzies was the president of the Christian group at Melbourne University whilst he was a student studying law. And so when you have a look at the big movements of our country, indeed the founding of the banks was motivated by good Christian businessmen back in the day. So the rich Christian heritage on my side of politics, the labour side of politics in the commercial world, the big movers and shakers that have built our country had a deep abiding Christian faith that has shaped our country into the envy of the world. And what Raj is saying is right. We are, unfortunately, as a society, busily taking away 
that heritage or trying to airbrush it out of our history, what we're teaching our children. And I think we are in real danger of losing that fundamental basis of our society, which has made us the envy of the world. And that is undoubtedly why Raj, as an immigrant to this country, has come here. And you know what? I'm an immigrant as well. Mum and Dad brought me here for a better life. And they liked the idea of what Australia was at the time and what she continues to be. Senator Abetz, your Christian faith uh, is better known to our listeners uh, than our other guest, Raj Guraswamy. Raj, I wonder if we can just take a few moments, if you can give us some insights into your own faith journey. Uh, not uh, not a long uh, time, uh, just uh, but in, in, just in brief. What you, what's your story? Okay. Um... <laughs> Like you said, make it short. Um, I'm, uh, like uh, Senator said, I'm from India, so born for uh, Hindu parents. I came to Australia in 92, and I used to be part of a Christian fellowship which met every Friday in uh, Sydney, in the Liverpool suburbs. And uh, it took me eight years to actually understand and accept Christ as my personal saviour. So I accepted him in 2000. The reason for that mainly was... Uh, salvation is very important to me. And, uh, you know, everything that has happened since, I honestly give glory and honor to God. And like you rightly said, humble myself. And if I can, in this situation, honor God, that would be a great achievement uh, in my life, in many people hearing about why I became Christian. And, uh, you know, I used to go to the, uh, the Smithfield Parkside Church, when I was in Sydney, and now when Brisbane, I go to the River Life Church, you know, part of uh, things that I can do to help uh, support the volunteers. And uh, yeah, that's basically, I'll keep it short there because I don't want to get into it. I know I can talk about my conversion for a long time. That's me. So I know God. And I guess more than calling me a Christian, I would like to call myself as a follower of Christ. And I'm still work in progress, Neil. That's who I am. Raj, thank you so much for that and uh, there might be listeners who might be interested to tease out some more detail as we go let me just say I'll open talk back lines on 1-800-316-316 you can join in our conversation help direct where we go today what is it that you'd like to share with our guests today connecting with political parties around uh, issues as a Christian uh, Erica Betts, let me ask you, taking your faith to Parliament, you have been one of the more courageous Christians who has been in the Parliament. You've been unashamedly outspoken when there have been issues that have uh, threatened your own conscience. Uh, it's not easy to take your faith to Parliament, but that's exactly what we need, don't we? What we need are men and women who have a firm foundational belief. And so what I often say to people is, as a legislator, Hopefully you enter the parliament wanting to pass legislation which encourages good behaviour, discourages bad behaviour. Where do you get your concept of good and bad from? From your moral framework. Where do you get your moral framework? From your worldview, or as I call it, religion. And my worldview is the Judeo-Christian ethic. And if you're atheist, well, of course, that's going to inform your morality and what is good and bad. But when I lay the challenge to others to say, my foundational value are the Judeo-Christian values, please tell me what is your foundational value. And can I tell you, they struggle. 
uh, because there is not no consistent, coherent framework uh, in which to make the judgments about legislation, about public policy, uh, you know, the balance between welfare and reward for effort, between helping those in need but still keeping the budget in certain shape. So keeping all those values and principles in mind, you really do need a coherent framework. And for me, it's the Judeo-Christian ethic. And that is what I trust has motivated me in my public life. And if given the opportunity, will continue to do so. I suspect it's very uncomfortable when you're faced with ethical situations around policy and needing to vote on legislation and your party decides one way that goes against your Christian conscience and you've got to vote along party lines and uh, different parties work in different ways. We perhaps can unpack some of that as we go in our conversation. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Somewhat of a rare opportunity today, most of our political commentary comes from trusted political commentators. Today we have actual politicians. A sitting Senator, Eric Abetz, the Liberal Party Senator for Tasmania, and Raj Guraswamy, who is described as Pauline Hanson's new star One Nation candidate for the Senate, born in India. A former corporate affairs boss for coal mine giant Adani. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Gentlemen, let's take a call from Dominic in Mildura in uh, Mildura in Victoria. Dominic, welcome along. Good morning, Neil. Dominic, what are your thoughts? Do you have a question for our guests? Well, it's not so much a question, um, Neil. What what I'd like to know, really. If, if ever I could get to speak to um, our Prime Minister, is I'd like to know who he swore his oath to, whether he swore it to the Queen of England or the Queen of Australia. I've just got a feeling that, um, that all the politicians running have sworn to the Queen of Australia. Now, she doesn't exist. So where does that leave them? And okay. where does that leave us? Dominic, a very, very powerful insight you're bringing here. Uh, let me come to uh, to Senator Abetz first, a quick response, and I'll get a response too from Raj Guraswamy. Uh, Eric, when you have the Bible in your hand and you're swearing an oath, uh, you know there's something special in that oath. What are your thoughts here for Dominic? Uh, Her Majesty is the Queen of England, also the Queen of Australia, and... Uh, that is the great thing about the Commonwealth of Nations, and uh, we are part of that, and we have a constitutional monarchy which has served us exceptionally well. It is a great safety valve in our democracy, and uh, I, you know, whether we say Queen of England, Queen of Australia, at the end of the day, uh, she is technically both, and uh, that is why her representative, because she can't be here, her representative is the Governor-General. And Raj, your thoughts here on uh, who you swear allegiance to? I mean, having come from India, a colonised country, uh, when I had to take the oath as an Australian citizen in '95, I took it on the Bible. So I'll leave it there. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. Thank you so much to Dominic. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Just before the break, we were talking about uh, the values, the thought of taking your faith to Parliament, where Christians are likely to be making a judgment on those who are elected, either in the lower house or in the Senate. It's one thing to say you are a practicing Christian. It's another to say these are where I'll stand on big moral issues. Raj, your thoughts here on on what shapes you? Because, uh, I mean, there are a lot of people who will be thinking about one nation as an alternative to some of the major parties. What are your thoughts here on how you might take your values to Parliament? I mean, like I said, I'm right now a want-to-be senator. I'm not a full politician yet, so I hope and believe that I'll have the ability and the support uh, within the one nation to be able to represent myself as a Christian first in those values. And even if you look at the current you know, the 19 questions or number of questions that are asked, most of the, or I would say all of them are aligned by the One Nation Party in terms of pro-life, in terms of every other thing that we value ourselves as Christians. So I don't think I'm going to have a big decision-making to keep my values as a Christian in the parliament if I were fortunate enough to get into the Senate. And uh, just to add to what Senator Abed said earlier, you know, he was talking about the moral values that comes from the Bible. And that moral values will definitely be guiding me because the moral values comes from a moral giver. And that goes back to God. So I'm, I'm, I do believe I will be bold enough to stand for those values. And it's a challenge, but I think I will be up to that. And uh, I don't see a big conflict within the party because, like I repeated said earlier, repeating myself in that we are aligned with the Christian values as a party. Okay. Let me ask you, Senator Abetz, if we were discussing the forces that work against a Christian morality and as it might apply to all of the issues that we face, whether they're economic issues or social issues, how do you describe those forces? Because it's really more than just one party against another. There's an awful lot more activity going on uh, that's driving our culture in certain ways. How do you describe the current circumstances? The current circumstances, unfortunately, with cancel culture, a denial of our traditions of the Christian basis of our nation, etc., is because there are too many men and women in public offices, be it in Parliament, but be it Uh, in charge of boards, community organisations, who are not willing to say and stand up for what they inherently know to be correct. They want to be seen as not controversial or to be up with the times, and therefore they look for what they think is the windsock, and if that's the direction things are blowing in, well, that's the way they move, rather than saying can we try to make the wind blow in a different direction to ensure that the windsock is where it ought to be? And one thing, if I might quickly say, that there are far too many people in public life who think that they cannot make a stand on a particular issue because, quote, it might make them unpopular. Mm. I have found that taking a stand on an issue allows you quite often 
to gain respect from those that were on the other side of the debate. And a classic example, as we speak, in Tasmania, there is a fellow who was pro-euthanasia like you would not believe. He and I had a wonderful discussion over an hour, over a cup of coffee. We agreed to disagree. Come this election, he rang some of my supporters to say, I want to have an Erica Betts poster up in my, uh, against my fence. Uh, why? Not that we agreed on the issue of euthanasia. We were diametrically opposed, but despite having those opposing views, he was still willing to say, Eric stood up for what he believed in, and I respect him, and that is what I expect in true leadership. And so, for example, Neil, uh, same-sex marriage, that's been done and dusted, but at the time I said publicly I was voting against on my ballot, and that I would do so in the Parliament. A lot of my colleagues, unfortunately, who sort of privately said, oh, yeah, 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 you've got to vote no, but come the pressure in Canberra, they voted yes. And, uh, you know, for me, that is, uh, I think, one of the tests that we need for people in public life. Are you willing to show leadership and say, this is what the country needs? It mightn't be a popular thing to say, but... This is what we need to do for the benefit of the people and allow time to tell whether or not that which is being said or suggested is in fact the right thing for our country. Well, that vote was had uh, back in 2018, I think it was, the marriage vote and many of the social ills that we might see now and judge as Christians uh, to be going down a wrong path and making all sorts of uh, uh, damaging uh, situations in our nation uh, might be from some of the consequences of that. So uh, that raises a very important issue about how things might come back to a, uh, an equilibrium or a biblical foundation for how families and marriages work. And that's a big challenging question. I won't ask you to respond to that today, but Christians have been ignored, and uh, the Labor Party admitted that in their uh, their uh, review of their last election loss. Uh, to be popular with Christian voters, it's going to mean standing up and being prepared to be unpopular. Uh, there'll be other Christians on the One Nation, uh, whether they're standing for the lower house or for the Senate, Raj. Uh, how do you think those Christians are? Is there a certain strength to their faith? I've met a few of them, uh, Neil, and I think they are strong in their values. So I would hope and believe that they will stand for what they believe in when they're in the parliament, if they have the privilege to get in. Gentlemen, why don't we take some calls from listeners? Calvin is in Perth, WA. Hi, Calvin. Welcome. Yeah, hi. How are you going? Good? Very good, Calvin. What are your thoughts for our guests? Yeah, okay, so there's one thing that I'm doing now is I'm contacting the Advertising Standards Board because I don't like the tactics that the Labor Party is playing, okay, where they're actually mucking around with ads and twisting words and making um, Scott Morrison to be a bully. I'm surprised that Scott Morrison and Erica Betts and all of the Liberal Party people don't stand up and say something about this. Because this is wrong. I've seen this sort of advertising and the tactics, the filthy scum, lies that they're portraying in that. That In America, they did it with Trump. 
Okay, that's one question. So that's what I'm going to do. So I want to know what you're going to do about it. But I've got another question too, and this is for Scott Morrison, and this is for all of the Liberal Party, the ones that are in power now, yeah? What are you going to do about them taking out Mr Squiggles in the books of the schools and putting in gay boys? Okay. And teaching it to children Calvin, as young as five years old. you've made some very important points here, and it'll come to Erica Betts. Uh, Erica Betts, the way that really both sides manipulate advertising in an election campaign, it is there for effect. Uh, it isn't always honest. Uh, what are your thoughts for Calvin on that first point? The integrity of political advertising is something that uh, a lot of people are concerned about, and quite rightly so. And look, um, the in Australia, where we do believe in free speech, you don't want to have a ministry of truth, if you like, that uh, says what you can and can't say about yourself or, for that matter, your political opponents. But I've got a funny feeling that the Australian people do see through some of the over-the-top advertising, but sometimes they don't. Like in 2019, when we faced the Medi-Scare campaign, just wrong. And uh, in Tasmania, I've been confronted with the, the allegation that I have voted for deep cuts to age pensions. I never have, never will. And in fact, uh, I remember organising a rally seeking an increase in the age pension which followed about six months later. Uh, but So you have to confront those uh, lies that are told about you and uh, you know, the ugly photographs of, if I might say, Anthony Albanese that the Liberal Party puts out, the ugly photos of Scott Morrison and myself that the Labor Party put out. I'm not sure that it cuts that deeply with the Australian people, and I think both sides, all sides of politics, their game in relation to uh, their portrayal of their opponents, in relation to our education system. It's one of the problems with our federation that uh, it's called the state school system because the states run our education system. They've come together with a national curriculum. We have tried our best to get some sense into that, but the woke people and the cultural Marxism has now absolutely infiltrated our education system. And that is why, if I might say, there is a growing trend for mums and dads to homeschool or indeed send them to Christian parent-controlled schools or Anglican Jewish day schools, etc., because they don't want their children, especially in primary school, being um, inundated with this sort of stuff. My view is let children be children, let them grow, let them develop. And uh, a lot of mums and dads are now voting with their feet, but it doesn't seem to have any impact on the education bureaucrats. Uh, Erica Betts, let's not let the Liberal National Coalition off the hook too easily on this issue, though, because while you say uh, these things that happen in curriculum happen on a state level, uh, there is something that can happen at federal level, the definition of a man and a woman. And uh, we have seen people at the top levels 
of our political leadership struggle with this uh, position of actually saying there is a man and a woman because we wouldn't have all of this issue if there was some clear definition there. But it does seem to be there's a fear of actually defining a man and a woman at the top level. And this includes uh, the Prime Minister, who uh, gave a very, very generalised definition but didn't want to rock the boat. Just a quick response for you on that? Look, uh, I think your listeners would be aware of what my view is on this. And if you go to any RSL, to any church, to any pub, to any football game, and you ask, what is a man, what is a woman? they instinctively know 95, 97, 99% of our fellow Australians instinctively know what a man and a woman is. There is this small percentage that think it's somehow fashionable now to suggest that a biological woman cannot be somehow a biological woman or a biological man can have children. Well, yeah, the laws of nature, if you believe in evolution or if you believe in uh, a God-created designer, as I do, then, yeah, this just does not make sense. Instinctively, men and women know that it doesn't make sense, but because there's that small element, which some elements of the media have now championed, all of a sudden, you cannot presume that somebody is a man or a woman. And, uh, yeah, I say, really, Let's get a hold of ourselves and ask ourselves, what is this designed for? For whose benefit? But of course, this is the problem And you go back to the same-sex marriage debate, and some of this were highly criticised at the time, but if you deconstruct marriage as no longer being a bond between a man and a woman, and that sex no longer matters, then of course... The transgender agenda can take hold, and here we are today. And those of us that predicted that this would be the necessary trend and slide in our society um, were vilified. Fast forward to today, and unfortunately that which we were asserting at the time has very regrettably been shown to be correct. Uh, But of course, not recognised as being correct. And some will be saying, what is the plan for reform? Uh, let me just ask you, Raj Guraswamy, uh, one nation on these issues, the LGBT agenda uh, in every dimension, even popular children's literature. What's, uh, what's a one nation perspective on that? Are there people prepared to stand up and fight for man and woman? Absolutely, Neil. I think a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And I don't think... Uh we have any different uh, policies other than that. And it's very, very clear <clears throat> that uh, we believe in that fundamental thing. I mean, if I were to stretch what uh, Senator Abed said, you know, it's not only in the human species, when you look at any animal species or the plant species, there's a male and a female. And that's where the propagation of that species happens. So it's, it's laughable to me in my mind that you know, we spend so much time not just here, and in general, trying to defend a man and who is a woman. I mean, we can get into the technicality of it, but it's really sad. And just to answer your question, One Nation is very, very clear, and there's no doubt in our mind to call a man a man and a woman a woman. And there is, in biblical principle, Adam and Eve. 
I think you know where I'm going with that. So That's great. Thank you so much to Calvin in Perth, uh, raising an important issue mm. or two there. Let's continue to take some calls. Alex is in Melbourne. Hello, Alex. Welcome. Well, hello there. Yes, uh, I just wonder uh, if the guest can ask, uh, if you can ask the guest um, uh, what would be the most important issue uh, if there's if there's one for for them at this very moment that needs to be addressed uh, for the uh, for for the betterment of of all in Australia and oh. everyone. Actually, yeah, go ahead. Senator Erica Betts, the most important issue right now you see for all Australians that we have elected to our parliament men and women of judgment and discernment. And that is ultimately what we need. We can have policies at this election and say, this issue is the most important. And then all of a sudden, events overtake you. Be it the global financial crisis, be it the pandemic. All of a sudden, a group of men and women in Canberra have to be making decisions about things that were never on the agenda or on the radar as they stood for election. Similarly, with the invasion of Russia into the Ukraine, which has shot petrol prices and fuel prices up to the sky and uh, now disrupting supply chains around the world. So uh, what you need ultimately are men and women of experience, sober judgment, discernment, to deal with the issues of the day. Now, that's, if you like, the umbrella issue. In relation to the issues that uh, specifically for this election, look, there has to be a re-grounding within our society of acknowledging our traditional values from where we've come from and where we hope to be going as a nation. And we have to uh, dig in on that and accept that uh, the success of our nation built by our forebears was on the Judeo-Christian values. And then, of course, the other issue is that if you want a good health system, road system, welfare system, whatever, you need a good, sound economy to be able to fund that. And just throwing money around is not the answer. So okay. uh, a few perspectives okay. there. Let's get a thought or two from Raj Guraswamy, uh, One Nation Senate candidate for Queensland. Raj, uh, the most important issue for you? Um, I would agree with Senator Roberts on the, the judgment and discernment as a Christian, 100%. But for me, the most important issue right now from a political side of things is the net zero 2050 will be the biggest concern for me. Okay, net zero. And uh, I want to thank Alex for the questions. I'll let Alex go and we'll get ready with another call. But let's just uh, touch on this for a few moments because it is one of the most contentious issues. Uh, Net zero by 2050. Here you are, Raj, having worked with the Adani uh, organisation, a coal mining uh, company. your thoughts here quickly, Erica Betts, and uh, and then a thought from Raj, uh, whether net zero 2050 is even achievable and whether it will make a difference at all uh, to people's perception of climate change. Uh, it does seem to be that many commentators say it actually is the death knell for the coalition to actually hold to a net zero position. A thought or two from you here. Thank you very much for that. And let's be clear, net zero by 2050 is an aim. Labor would legislate it and sort of shoehorn and force the issue. So what 
is a co- what we're saying as a coalition is that being good economics, uh, not sorry, not economic, being good environmental stewards uh, does require us to have a look as to how we do business and how can we keep our environment as clean as possible. That said, I do not believe in the Armageddon view of the climate change gurus who, might I add, told us that we would be in a drought paradigm as a result of which $1 billion desalination plants were built around Australia never to be used because the drought paradigm seems to have turned into the exact opposite now, a flood paradigm. And so the people that have been predicting these colossal consequences of climate change, I say, look at their predictions and then look at the facts. You said earlier, Neil, that I've been in Parliament not quite 30 years, but 28 years. And throughout that 28-year period, I have heard each and every year 10 years until a tipping point for our environment. I'm sorry, when those sort of prophecies and predictions fail to come to pass year after year after year, you do have a right to ask a question, well, how correct are these predictions? And that is why the government has taken a view, environmental stewardship, yes, absolutely, but will we be hell-bent on a 2050 zero no? but we will aim to do that if we can. And I believe that through technological advances, we will be able to achieve it. Raj Guruswamy, uh, I suspect you've got a major issue with uh, both sides, the both major parties uh, from a One Nation perspective here. And with your background uh, with Adani, uh, what are your thoughts for the plans um, for net zero? Okay. Thanks for putting it back. Neil, I mean... To me, it's a major issue because it not only affects the mining, it also affects the agriculture side of things. Having come from Linfoxel, right, you said transportation, because the netting people will have to understand what we mean by net zero. It's netting something positive to something that's negative. We want to bring it to zero by 2050. And as many of you would have known, you know, the carbon dioxide or the greenhouse gas that we talk about is what 0.04 in our atmosphere. And Australia as a country, the industrialization and the agriculture is 1% of the global. And trying to go down that pathway of trying to shut down uh, coal-fired power plants, coal mines, and then on the other side, when we are looking at the farming side where the people say, or grazing, where we say we don't want to be eating beef, and because there's methane gas coming out, and, you know, moving towards uh, electric cars, I can go on for hours, Neil. I know, but to me, it's very passionate. Having worked, like I said, in Adani, we have looked at both the uh, solar panels because Adani is one of the largest uh, uh, you know, energy producers on the solar side as well, apart from being on the coal-fired power plant. So I understand the costing on both sides. And we have a major issue when I hear Greens and other people talking about we'll transition into... Uh, renewable. I always have this problem of how would somebody put the solar and a wind farm as renewable. If you're talking about a, a pumped hydro, yes, it is renewable, but I'll have to find out where this name came from. 
you just you'll get me excited and I can keep going on for hours on this topic yep. because I know the numbers and thing I'll stop here so all right we won't be able to continue on, on with it uh, let's squeeze yeah. in one more call let's hear from Jeanette in Queensland hello Jeanette welcome hi there how are you good Jeanette what are your thoughts do you have a question I'm just um, a, a little disappointed um, uh, uh, because I feel um, in the last election, we uh, it was a miracle. I feel that we we uh, we received a, a, a Christian prime minister, and although he has disappointed us a little in some ways, um, I understand politics very well because my father was a member of parliament for twenty years, and my grandfather also was a member of parliament. So I understand politics, and. Um, I think that we have to be careful, like even Vision had on a guy called Augusto Zimmerman recently, and I think we're sabotaging um, in a way by having um, the ads on that say that uh, against the, the Liberal Party who I feel God put in place, you know, like a, a Roman as in Romans 14 or whatever. Jeanette, I can hear what you're saying here, and uh, you've got a point. Uh, Of course, we have had a lot of, uh, in some sense here, uh, liberal government bashing. And uh, from the point of view, though, that uh, while it may have been a miracle uh, that Scott Morrison led the Liberal National Coalition to victory uh, three years ago. Uh, in that time, the criticism that has come from Christian commentators has been quite severe because it's a time when we have had diminished our freedoms. It's a time when, uh, with a national cabinet, uh, somehow or other, our democracy went on hold and the Labor Party got sidelined. Uh, There are all sorts of things like that which would point to even an rise of authoritarianism under the Liberal Party uh, that we might be concerned about. Eric Abetz, uh, we're running out of time, but uh, this deserves a longer response, I know. But uh, there has been a lot of anti-Liberal because of some of the obvious effects that have come around uh, the way the Liberal government has behaved in an authoritarian way. A thought or two here from Jeanette, uh, but uh, she's obviously wanting to defend you. I'm just uh, bringing a little balance in there. What are your thoughts around that issue? Well, Jeanette, thanks for your call. And yes, there have been uh, criticism. Chances are some fair and definitely some that are unfair. Um, and look, Neil, dealing with the uh, pandemic, anybody that knows uh, my public utterances, I've always been pro-freedom. So my view is that the leaders, and they are Liberal, Labor, state, federal, whatever, have been saying that we'll keep the place locked down for as long as necessary, which to me sounds very authoritarian. I would have preferred our leaders to have said, we'll keep the place locked down for as short as possible. It would have led to exactly the same outcome that it would have indicated a different mindset. And that is, people's freedoms are being limited and we, as your leaders, feel very bad about doing so because they are God-given or human rights and they need to be restored as a matter of urgency. And so here in my home state of Tasmania, I'm told the state of emergency sort of uh, limps on. I can't see any reason why. But look, personal freedoms fundamental what the Liberal Party was 
based on. And if I might say, there was a bit of an over-reliance on medical personnel who were focused on matters medical as opposed to human rights and freedoms. And so I've been, look, double-jabbed. I think it made sense to be vaccinated. That said, I have every respect and uphold the rights of all those people to disagree with me on that and have not been vaccinated. I don't want to see a two-tiered society. And yes, there have been criticisms, but I think we are getting back to normal. The quicker we can get the meal, the better. Jeanette, thank you so much uh, for your comment. And uh, interestingly, uh, just to uh, preview uh, that while we did have a very significant segment with uh, Professor Augusto Zimmerman and talking about his book, Deconstructing Scamo, uh, I have actually invited uh, Professor Zimmerman to have another segment where we'll deconstruct Albo. So look forward to that next week. And uh, I think it'll be one of those very, very interesting conversations that that we'll have uh, on 2020. Uh, I think that uh, I've got that scheduled for Monday. The two of you gentlemen, uh, let me just say, uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, but let me ask you about your own prospects for the election. We are just a week away. Uh, Senator Abetz, you were demoted uh, in the last 12 months to third place on the Senate ticket, which means the pathway for you to be returned while not impossible, is very, very difficult. I wonder whether you've got a, a, a quick perspective on where you are at on your prospects for election uh, a week away. Most of the commentators are saying that uh, the last seat will be fought out between myself and a few of the minor parties. What will be, will be. The people of Tasmania will speak. Uh, that said, it is a great privilege to serve, and I've always gone or I went into politics to be of service. I seek to continue to serve and uh, if I'm given that privilege I'll be delighted to continue on. At the end of the day it's in the hands of God and the uh, voters of Tasmania and I await the outcome. Will it be tough? Yes it will be and we'll see what the result is. And Raj Guraswamy, uh, your second place uh, next to Pauline Hanson on the Queensland Senate ticket for One Nation. Uh, what are your prospects? How do you see things? I mean, similar answer. It is going to be a tough and difficult one. But I do believe that uh, Pauline Hanson tapped on my shoulder and I think God is using her to call me into this. And if it is his will, then I'll get in. If God has a different plan for me, I'm sure he will be with me. As you said, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So that's where I feel about this. I'm not a you know, politician for a long time, so I wouldn't understand thoroughly my prospects, but I do believe it's going to be difficult. But God is with me. Things will be good. Well, uh, to you, Senator Erica Betts, and to Raj Guraswamy, I want to thank you for taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners today and uh, to give those uh, those responses to some pretty tough questions. Uh, Eric and Raj, thank you for being with us on 2020. A privilege. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Senator Betts. Good to talk to you. Thanks, thank Raj. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.